All right, guys, welcome back. This is uh, Keep on Tolkien, uh, your number one internet podcast for Tolkien shit. I'm Danny J. This is Joel N. And we're here with uh, season two. Season guys. two. It's uh, It's been a little while. We're kind of excited to be back talking. Yeah, it's been a little over a month since we've done one of these. Apparently there are more people interested in listening to uh, more Tolkien stuff than we thought. It's it's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People are listening, man. People are interacting with us on the uh, Facebook page. That, that's what I'm excited cool. about, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just want to say welcome back for those of you who have listened to, you know, the first season. Anyone or, who's uh, just tuned in for the first time, we want to welcome you. Yeah. This is uh, this is going to be good. We thought we'd start things off with a bang for for season two. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna yeah we're gonna be talking about everybody's favorite character, Gandalf. I think it's a safe assumption that Gandalf is everyone's favorite character. Yeah, no, for real. Everyone, I mean, like even if you've never read the Lord of the Rings or seen the Lord of the Rings or read the Hobbit or seen the god awful Hobbit movies, you know who Gandalf is. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody knows you shall not pass. You know, right. Oh, if there was if there was one character that I could wish to life in all of fiction, it be would Gandalf. be Gandalf. Yeah, because no, Gandalf's always always working for the better good. He's clutch, man. He's he's there when you need him, and we need him. We do. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna uh, read a little excerpt for you, uh, and then we're gonna start the episode. But we, we just, just we just want to say thanks for listening, guys. We just want to say hello. We missed you. Yeah, we missed you. Warm and eager was his spirit and it was enhanced by the ring Narya. For he was the enemy of Sauron, opposing the fire that devours and wastes with the fire that kindles and succours in one hope and distress. But his joy and his swift wrath were veiled in garments gray as ash, so that only those that knew him well glimpsed the flame that was within. Merry he could be, and kindly to young and simple, yet quick at times to sharp speech and the rebuke of folly. But he was not proud and sought neither power nor praise. Mostly, he journeyed tirelessly on foot, leaning on a staff, and would at times work wonders, loving especially the beauty of fire. And yet such marvels he wrought, mostly for mirth and delight, and desired not that any should hold him in awe or take his counsel out of fear. Yet it is said, in the end of the task for which he came, he suffered greatly and was slain. And being sent back from death for a brief while, was clothed then in white and became a radiant flame, yet still veiled, save in great need. All right, guys. Yeah. So that was a that was a letter uh, from Tolkien, correct? Right, right, Joel. Yeah, it was an essay. It was in an essay that Tolkien had wrote that was included in the uh, unfinished tales, uh, the chapter about the Astari. That's the the wizards. The wizards, the five wizards, which we'll get into, guys. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk all about that. So yeah, we're talking about Gandalf today because we're here talking about the best of the five wizards. Yeah, Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. So. Uh, um, Gandalf, uh, let's go through some of the names that, that we yeah. have for Gandalf. Start off with some basics. So he's, we, yeah. he's got a lot of names of all the characters. Right, yeah. So we've got Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf the White, Olorin, Mithrandir, Incanus, Tharkun, Lothspell, the White Rider, Greyhame, Stormcrow, Old Greybeard, Big Greybeard, the Grey Pilgrim and the Wandering Wizard. Oh yeah, what's your favorite name for Gandalf? I think the Wandering Wizard. I like Mithrandir. That one's my favorite. That is that is a pretty classic. But uh, just a little background on Gandalf. I'm I'm sure most people know this, but we're just going to throw it out there. Um, he was like we said, one of the Astari, the five wizards, uh, sent from the West in the Third Age to combat the threat of Sauron. Um, some of the things he did while he was in Middle-earth, he joined Thorin and company to reclaim the Lonely Mountain from Smog. That's essentially the Hobbit story. 
Uh, he was part of the Fellowship of the Ring. He was part of making it and the whole quest to destroy the ring. Uh, and he led the Free Peoples in the final campaign of the War of the Ring against Sauron. Yeah, he basically orchestrated everything. Like, I mean, he's the big mover and shaker of the story, of uh, especially the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the the main driving force. He's helping everybody out. You know, he's he's everywhere. Yeah, like in that opening passage uh, from J.R.R. Tolkien, like you said, he was uh, the enemy of Sauron. That's why he came. Yeah, and um, so if you remember from past episodes, or may or may not already know, um, Sauron and Gandalf are both Maiar, and they're um, so like the the origin of Gandalf uh, comes at the same time as the origin of uh, Sauron, essentially. Um, they're created uh, as the first beings, the Ainur, which means the holy ones. The ones that sing. The ones that sing, yeah. They sing the story of the world. So he's been around since the very, very beginning when they were all created by the one god, Iluvatar. Uh, his name was originally Olorin. And of the original Ainur that were sent down to the actual physical world in the Anya Lindale, which is called Ea. The world called Ea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supposedly the wisest of the Maiar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you remember uh, anything about Maiars, they kind of hang out with uh, Valar. Yeah, they're like, uh, they're like the lower tier of the lords mm-hmm. of the West. Yeah, and he was, uh, uh, he pl- he was uh, pledged to Varda, which uh, the elves call Elbereth. Elbereth Githoniel. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so she's the queen of the Valar, and she's the, the lady of the stars. She created the stars. Um, yeah. And, and, and Manway as well. Yeah, and Manway. They're, yeah, they're, I, I suppose they kind of come as They kind of go together, yeah. They're married. Um, but aside from being specifically assigned to them, he also spent a particular amount of time with Nienna. Oh, yeah. Nienna's awesome. I like Nienna. I, like I think idea. that's a super distinct characteristic that he gets, though, from hanging out with Nienna, because Nienna is the Valar of... Uh, sorrow and, and compassion, compassion, yeah. just general empathy. Yeah, and I think Gandalf shows that a lot throughout his right. Ca- that's career. like the one characteristic that Gandalf always has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pity and patience is something he learned from Nienna. So in Valinor, he he loved being there, and he really loved the elves that were there in Valinor. Uh, he liked being among them, although for whatever reason, he walked among them unseen. Or he took an appearance like an elf so people couldn't really tell it was him. Right. He just liked blending in. Yeah, he's a man of the people, Gandalf. That's the thing. He's, he, he's a genuine man of the people. Yeah. Uh, while among the elves, he often sent them fair visions of their hearts. And it was an insight that they wouldn't normally get otherwise. So it, it made them wiser and happier people. He's he's just out for the general good of, of people. Like he <laughs> he's, he's great. And uh, similar to Nienna, he took he took a lot of pity on the children of Ilavatar. Right, yeah, because their story's sad. Their their story's very sad, and the Valar just kind of let them, left them. Yeah, they kind of left them to their own devices for quite. A, I mean, they step in every now and then, which you know, once in a while. And a lot of it's uh, Gandalf helps orchestrate that kind of stuff, you know. And one instance of them sort of stepping in was actually when Sauron comes to Middle-earth for the first time. Right. So during the Third Age, when Sauron's uh, dark spirit started increasing in power in Middle-earth and coming back and manifesting itself again, uh, the Valar chose five emissaries of the Maiar to go over to Middle-earth to help out the uh, the people over there, the children of Ilavatar. Yeah, it's kind of like the Dirty Dozen of uh, yeah, of Meyer. Basically, right? this is like you. I mean, yeah, send 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 five of your baddest. It's their super group. Yeah, it's their super group. Um, so the super group consisted of uh, Gandalf, who who was named Ulorin, uh, originally. That's his Maiar name, and then there was Kurmo, who was actually Saruman. Then there's Iwendil. I think I said that right. Yeah, I think you did. Iwendil, yeah. That's Radagast. Uh, and then there's Palando, who's one of the blue wizards, and Alatar, who's the other blue wizard. And we know almost nothing about the blue wizards. Almost nothing other than we know that they don't come back. 
They traveled into the east, right? The far yeah. east. Yeah, the far east, and they they never come back because like the you know uh, Gandalf leaves. Well, Radagast never comes back either. Gandalf's the only one that ever goes back. <laughs> that's how that's how you know that Gandalf's the best is he's out of the five of them. He's the only one that really even attempts to do his job. I mean, Saruman sort of does for a while, but we're, we're going to get yeah, into we'll it. Yeah, we'll get into that. We're going to get into that. Uh, jumping ahead. So, uh, like we said, the Valar selected uh, five Maiar to go over to Middle-earth to be emissaries and kind of help them out with this plight, the this Sauron business. And Manwe, he's the head of the Valar, specifically selected Ulrin, who at first didn't even want to go. Yeah, no, he wanted no part of it because he's he's like a he's a pretty like a uh, humble too. Like he he's also pretty down to earth. It, yeah, it was he was genuinely had fear of Sauron. Yeah, and he's he knew like that this is this is a, mm. yeah. He's like I don't know if I should go because I'm genuinely afraid of this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they so, kind of argue that maybe that's a good reason. To yeah, s- to send him. Manway says straight to him that that's even more reason that you should go. You have a, even better. You have you a healthy have, fear of the guy. You have a healthy fear because he is a threat. That's why we're sending you. Right? Yeah, he's terrifying. Everybody should be afraid of him. So eventually, you know, Oleron obviously submitted to the will of Manway, and he agreed to leave Valinor for Middle Earth. So in the Third Age, around the year one thousand, is when Oleron arrived in Middle Earth in Mythland. That's the far, far western regions of Middle Earth. Yeah. Also known as the Grey Havens. The Grey Havens. Where? Who hangs out at the Grey Havens? God damn. I, I wish I could remember. Is, what's his name again? He's cool, isn't he? He's yeah, like, he's real cool. Oh, Real man. cool. Uh, oh, Kirdan the fucking ship. Right? Yeah, guys, if you don't know who Kirdan is, listen to the season finale. Yeah, the season finale of season one is literally uh, an episode about Kirdan. So Gandalf arrives in Mythland around the year 1000, and actually that's about the same time that the Necromancer takes up shop in Mirkwood. I wasn't aware of that before we started yeah. working on this episode, but apparently that's they he arrived at the same time. And that's uh, around when they start calling it Mirkwood, because remember it was originally called the Greenwood. Like if you mm-hmm. if any time before the Third Age you hear uh, the Greenwood or the Green uh, Greenwood the Great, um, they're talking about Mirkwood. Yeah, it's one of the biggest forests around. Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't. Uh, it, it's got to be the biggest. I'm trying to think of a bigger one. It's got to be biggest, because Fangorn and, and Lothlorien are smaller. Old Forest is tiny. It's true. I think it is. The I largest. think it's got to be the biggest. It's got to be. Anywho, um, so he arrived then and there, and he arrived last of the five Maiar, and he took the specific form of an aged old man. Is a sign of his humility, I suppose. I suppose, yeah, and and just like nobody really looks twice, you know, at an old yeah. old man on a with a staff, like oh, he's doing his own thing. Yeah, Leave him alone. I think it's definitely a good disguise. Yeah, and uh, while he was there at Mithlin, like we said, he was greeted by none other than Círdan, the shipwright, and Glorfindel. Glorfindel, these are two of my favorite characters here. This is Glorfindel and. Uh, Kyrdan. Another elf from Valinor who was actually in Middle-earth on similar business, but uh, they both welcomed him. And at that moment, uh, Kyrdan had a Kyrdan moment where he saw what apparently no one else did in Olorin, and that was a strong sense of wisdom and strength. And because of that, he actually chose then and there to give up his ring, his elven ring of power mm-hmm. to Gandalf. And that power, uh, that the, that ring gives you the power to uh, inspire those to resist evil and tyranny. Yeah, this is the ring Narya. It's the red ring, or I think they call it the ring of flame or fire. The ring of uh, fire, I think, yeah, something like that. Which is actually, fire is oftentimes associated with Gandalf, so it's super appropriate. Um, and uh, Círdan even gave like a little prophecy almost about how it would come in handy in the future. Mm-hmm. He was going to need it. Círdan also said, But as for me, my heart is with the sea, and I will dwell on the gray shores until the last ship sails. I will await you. So that's like he's telling Gandalf, like, everyone's going to leave Middle-earth eventually. I'm going to be the last one. We're going to be the last ones here, essentially. And, and I will wait for I'll you I'll wait here. for you. Yeah, like a real bro. And that's kind of actually where Círdan hangs out for the rest of the Third Age. Yeah, he's in the Havens. But, I mean, at this point, 
he's done a lot already. Yeah. He really helped out Gandalf. So at that point, um, Gandalf enters Middle-earth, and unlike uh, his kinsman Kurumo, who turns out to be uh, Saruman, uh, Olwen did not take up a single permanent residence, but rather he went around wandering. That's yeah. how he became the wandering wizard. The Grey Wanderer. And in his wandering, he never went far into the east uh, like some did. Like, for example, the Blue Wizards. They mm-hmm. never even came back. They never came back. Um, he pretty much restricted his activities to the westlands of Middle-earth where you know the remnants of the Dúnedain and the Eldar still remained, and that's kind of where Sauron was as well. So naturally, he hung around in the, the western portions of Middle-earth. But this uh, this wandering period is also where he acquired a lot of his names, right? Yeah, because like I mean, he basically he had a name for every kind of group of people, right? You know, he because he went everywhere, and everyone had him by a different name. Yeah, so Mithrandir, the Great Pilgrim, that's um, um, uh, the ba- elves, the elves, and uh, also Gondor. Gondor calls him the Great yeah, Pilgrim. Yeah, or they they call him Mithrandir. Mithrandir. Yeah, Faramir calls him Mithrandir. Oh, that's right. Uh, the dwarves call him Tharkun, which is great. That's a great name, um, which means gray man. In uh, in the far south, he's called Incanus. Um, and in the north, uh, old Arnor, you know, the the northern kingdom of the Dúnedain, he's known as Gandalf, which is why uh, the uh, the hobbits call him Gandalf. Yeah, that that became his most popular name. Um, apparently, it was their word for the Elf of the Wand, which was a mistaken name because they mistaken him for an elf. Right. And he he was not. But they, I guess men don't know any better. I, I don't know what yeah. the deal is of the men in the Third Age, but... Who knows? But that's how we got the name Gandalf. And that one, that one stuck. That's what most people know him by. Yeah, and one of the uh, most important things that Gandalf ever did was he was a member of the White Council... That includes uh, who do we got here? We got Saruman, we've got Elrond, uh, Galadriel. Um, is Círdan part of the White Council? No, he's not. But I think he sends an emissary. Yeah, yeah, he's always sending emissaries. Like he, yeah, he sends them to Council of Elrond too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's basically the for the, the the purpose of the White Council is basically the same purpose that the Five Astari came over. It was. Yeah, to oppose uh, Sauron. It was to deal with the evil of Sauron coming back. Um, so early on in his time in Middle-earth, Gandalf uh, suspected that the necromancer in Dol Guldur over in Mirkwood was not a Nazgul, which some people thought, but in fact, Sauron himself. Yeah, he actually went and uh, investigated himself to Dol Guldur in uh, 2063 of the Third Age. To uh, figure out what was going on there, the he basically drove out. He drove out the necromancer, right? Yeah, the necromancer kind of abandoned the place for a while. For a little bit, I'm I'm not really sure what Gandalf did to get him to do that, but he he dipped out of the place and then he came back to Dol Guldur in the Third Age year, twenty four sixty, and he stayed there for a couple hundred years and rebuilt his forces. And that is actually when the White Council was formed. That was formed in response in the year 2463. Mm-hmm. And when they throw the, the White Council together, uh, Gladriel, who you could argue is probably the wisest of... She's one of the oldest. She's one of the oldest, yeah. She's definitely the oldest uh, non Maiar. She's, <laughs> she's been in Middle-earth, I think, the longest of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. She came over... Uh, well, her and Elrond, the, uh, I suppose, are... Well, Elrond's way younger than her. Because oh, Elrond is uh, is Eärendil's son. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, Gladriel is the son of uh, the daughter of Finarfin. She's old. She's very old. She crossed the Helcorax with Fingolfin's people. She was there from the Great Journey all the way across to Valinor and then back again. Yeah. And yes. then into the Third Age. She was here for a long time, but not as long as Círdan. So not let's as long not. As let's not give her too much. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, she wanted. Uh, uh, Gandalf to be the leader of the White Council. Yeah, that was that was her hope. I think she saw the same thing Círdan did um, in that uh, Gandalf was, you know, the wisest of them. But uh, 
Gandalf, he wasn't for that either. He he didn't want to be the leader of the council. Yeah, and uh, so in uh, twenty eight fifty third age, um, Gandalf returns to Dol Guldur, and he spends a little time in the the dungeons there, and uh, he meets uh, Thrain, who is uh, is uh, let me he's um, that's Thorin's father, right? Yes, yes, yep. the th- the son of Thror, right? Thror, yes, Thrain, son of Thror, and he this is where he receives the map. Um, of the Lonely Mountain, and also the key to the side door. Right. So, yeah, this is when all the Hobbit stuff comes into play really hard, because Thrain is one of the line of Durin. It's Thorin Oakenshield's father who went missing. Gandalf stumbles upon him in Dol Guldur, doesn't even realize who he is, mm-hmm. and he starts... He's He's been driven mad with uh, just torture and torment mm-hmm. from, Sau- from Sauron. Because Sauron took back the... Uh the ring, right? That yeah, he had? he had one of the dwarven rings of mm-hmm. power. He had it passed down to him, and uh, that's when Saruman retook it from him. But Sauron, I'm sorry. Ooh, I'm yeah. gonna have trouble with this. <laughs> yeah, Sauron. Yes, that's when Sauron took it from him. The ring that is, but did not get the key in the map. No, yeah, for whatever reason, wasn't interested. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how that was, but uh, he gave it to Gandalf instead, realizing. Who he was, and then he dies, right? Yeah. yeah, he dies there. He dies there in the dungeons, and that's the end of Thrain, son of Thror, father of Thor and Oakenshield. And in the following year, twenty eight fifty one, the White Council was summoned, and Gandalf then urged Saruman to drive Sauron out of Dol Guldur, but Saruman just reassured the White Council that Sauron's ev. Uh, evident effort to find the ring just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and he said that that was like necessary. Like he had to find the ring in order to be a threat again. Right. Is essentially what his argument was. Yeah. So Saruman is just kind of trying to put down everyone's worry about it, saying there's no way he could rise to power without the ring, and the ring is gone. Right. Uh, but little did anyone know at this time, right around, is when Saruman himself actually started actively searching for the ring of power. In Gladden Fields and near. Yeah, it's not so far from Dol Guldur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Saruman, um, yeah, this is when he starts to really try to gain power for himself rather than help. Yeah, this is when things really turn around. But yeah. that's what kind of starts the whole, uh, all the, the events of The Hobbit, the quest to Erebor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Gandalf, um, he was... He was uh he was pretty distressed at the knowledge that Sauron had returned, um, and they weren't doing anything to get rid of him, and they weren't doing anything to 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 deal with it. He was pretty sure that Sauron was already uh, plotting war from Dol Guldur, and if anywhere that Sauron was gonna attack Rivendell, and he also realized in this time that the only powers other than Rivendell to resist an attack from Mirkwood were the dwarves of the Iron Hills. Right, yeah, they have a pretty big presence in that part mm-hmm. of the, the world. And the dwarves aren't one to really team up with anyone over these wars. They're no, kind of... Yeah. They, they haven't joined in in any wars since, what, the end of the First Age? Yeah, they weren't even involved in the Last Alliance. Yeah, yeah no, they, they weren't. Yeah. They, they've just been kind of minding their own business. Um... And even worse than all of this, Gandalf knew that Smog, one of the only remaining dragons in Middle-earth, was still in the Lonely Mountain, and Sauron could and would use the dragon to his advantage to, like, a, a devastating amount. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he knew that if Sauron and Smog had, had formed an alliance, that it would be all over. Yeah. And this is this is a lot of the stuff that uh, they touch on in the the quest for Erebor and the unfinished tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of draw the because the Hobbit is, is is sort of standalone in that um, unless you read the quest for Erebor and stuff, um, you can think it has little to do with the events of the Lord of the Rings. Right. It it was made as a children's book, and that mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, and that it is. And uh, the quest for Erebor is what kind of ties it into the overall real Tolkien body of work. Yeah, this the meat and potatoes. Yeah, the meat and taters. So it yeah, recounting what Gandalf specifically was doing 
while the dwarves were going on their quest. Uh, well, one night in Bree, before ever this all happened, it was uh, 2941, while he was pondering all these problems, you know, the threat of Smaug, the threat of Sauron, uh, the only people being able to defend Rivendell is the dwarves, and all of this stuff. And he was in... Where was he at the time? Was he in Bree? Yes, he was in Bree. Yeah, it was in Bree. And he, by chance, came across Thorin Oakenshield. Thorin Oakenshield. And yeah, they, they actually show this uh, scene as the uh, prologue in, what, the Desolation of Smog? Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a cool little scene. I, I just actually recently read it because it's in the appendix. Um, that scene. Yeah. Not a bad prologue sequence, but... No, no. That 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 is in a, a pretty awesome moment when Gandalf and Thorin meet. That's when they first hash out the plan to uh, go on a quest to Erebor. Mm-hmm. I love. There's a, a part in that conversation where Gandalf basically says to Thorin, "Like, I'm going to help you do what you need to do, but I'm only helping you because it helps me, right? And my cause. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're a small footnote in the um, the overall." quest that i am on essentially right yeah because they were trying to assemble a team basically and gandalf wanted him to take a hobbit with him yeah and thorn was like hell no yeah he's like thorn accused him of having ulterior motives and gandalf was like yeah of course i have ulterior motives yeah that's why i'm here and not only that but the fact that I'm here helping you means you, whatever you're doing is helping the betterment of everyone else. So right. you should be glad. The fact that we're, yeah, Gandalf kind of gets a little, that's when he's a little not so humble. And he's like. Well, he's frustrated. He's, yeah, talking, he's, to frustrated. His, he's talking to a dwarf and they're yeah, stubborn. And they're hell. stubborn. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's basically like, the only reason I'm here, like, is because your, your ends meet, or, you know, coincide with my ends, basically. So in that same year, in 2941, Gandalf arranged the band of 13 dwarves and the one hobbit, uh, Bilbo Baggins, to go on a quest to reclaim the dwarves' lost treasure in Erebor from Smaug the Dragon. Smaug the Dragon. Hey, Joel, can you name all the 13 dwarves? No. I I think I could get a good chunk of them, but I don't know if I'd get all of them. Uh, Biffer, Bofer, Bombor... Oin, Gloin, Ori, Nori, Dori, um, well, Thorin, Balin, Dwalin. Two more. Uh, who am I missing? They're brothers. They die. Feely and Keely. Yeah. Oh, how can I forget? Yeah, yeah. He did it, guys. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Round of applause for Joel. He did it. Woo! I'm proud of myself. Yeah, so he just he assembles these thirteen dwarfs, um, and they all show up at Bilbo's house, which is fun. Yeah, the unexpected party. <laughs> I really like the unexpected party. Yeah, and I honestly think that the Hobbit movies did a decent job. No, of the that unexpected whole party. Yeah, that whole great. like first act of that movie was fine. Like, you I know? think I, apparently they got a lot of criticism for going so slow in the beginning, but that's like the part I liked the most. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was, was great. W- yeah, when they really started to speed quote speed up the story. Uh, I f- that was winning. Yeah. Well, okay, we're not going to talk about. Yeah, that if anymore. you want to hear anything about that, you can <laughs> listen to literally the uh, uh, the first episode we ever made. Yeah, the Our first th- episodes one through three, um, we discussed the Hobbit films. Yeah, but uh, moving forward, so Gandalf guided them, Thorin and company, uh, along most of their quest, and like we said earlier, he was the one that contributed the map and the key that he recovered from Thrain, which is the only reason that their quest. Could essentially happen. Yeah, yeah. The, the, if it's it's what allowed them to do what they were trying to do. Um, he did a lot of stuff to help them along the way. Gandalf was pretty key on this quest. He persuaded Bayorn, who did not like uninvited guests and did not like dwarves, and they uh, he persuaded them to not only give them provisions but allow them to stay in their house. I think one of my favorite things that Gandalf does in The Hobbit is because it's so Gandalf is the the trolls like when the trolls are fucking arguing with each oh, other yeah. and Gandalf pretends to be one of the trolls and just like uh just like confuses the shit out of them yeah. into, until he they, imitates yeah. their voices and yeah. gets them to argue with each other and until distracts they, them yeah until they die because of the sun mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's one of my, that's a Gandalf part oh yeah Gandalf's got some great stuff that's right off the bat too yeah that's right in the beginning 
So yeah, and uh, on the quest for Erebor, Gandalf, uh, he came in, uh, he found Glamdring. Right, right when he was encountering those trolls. Yeah. In their uh, troll horde, that's when they came across a number of things. They came across the Gondolin sword Glamdring, which belonged to uh, King Turgon, High King of the Noldor, guys. This is... This is big, big stuff. Like this is harkening way back into the way first age. First this age. is like one of the most prominent kingdoms of the Noldor. Mm-hmm. Um, they found Orcrist, which was also a sword from Gondolin that belonged to Exelion. Exelion, yeah. And Who, uh, yeah, if we remember from one of our past episodes, he killed the leader of the Balrogs in the fountain outside of uh, during the fall of Gondolin. Yeah, he fought badass. him and drowned him in the fountain. Yeah, with that sword. Yeah. How that sword got out of the fall of Gondolin, we don't know. Nobody knows. That's one of those things. Just like Glamdring. Glamdring, I mean, Turgon fell in the city, too, but mm-hmm. nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knows how those sword I mean, the got city hit. fell, got plundered. Who knows? Can I Can I tell? Can I t- do we have time? I want to tell them about the Ar- the baby Arendil thing. Go for it. Go for okay, it. Okay, okay. So me and Joel were talking about this the other day. So those two swords, right, are um, very important people in the city, right? Right. So you had uh, Ecthelion, Lord of the Fountain. And Turgon, king of the city slash high king of the Noldor. But you have this other blade that's unadorned, that's short, and it's also made with the same craftsmanship. Yeah, as we're the talking other two about uh, Bilbo's dagger, essentially, yeah, that, that he, he finds. later named Sting. So, what I'm here to propose to you <laughs> <laughs> is that Sting was originally the childhood blade of Arendil. That somehow got left behind in Gondolin. Because think about it, guys. Arendil was just a boy during the fall of Gondolin. Baby Arendil's sword. And he would have been a person of high honor. So he would have. they totally would have made him like a ceremonial blade. Every child in Gondolin would have been like a child of high honor. But, but no. But I'm saying. I'm convinced, guys. <laughs> hit me up on Facebook if you think I'm crazy. I want to know. I'm pretty sure... I'm convinced. That's all I need to know is that Sting belonged to Arendil. That would be that would be an awesome coincidence. Yeah. Anyway, let's ask Christopher sometime. Yeah, we'll ask him. So the, yeah, that the, all those blades are pretty key. Not only in the Hobbit, but uh, Gandalf's sword goes into the the deep into the Third Age and the Lord of the Rings trilogy and stuff. He keeps that the whole time. Hell yeah, Glamdring's uh, a badass sword. Actually, we got a little uh, excerpt here about Glamdring. From the Hobbit. So this is uh this is from when uh they're in um the dwarves are captured by the goblins and Gandalf has disappeared. They're in Goblin Town. They're in Goblin Town. Suddenly, a sword flashed in its own light. Bilbo saw it go right through the great goblin as he stood dumbfounded in the middle of his rage. He fell dead, and the goblin soldiers fled before the sword, shrieking into the darkness. Yeah. Badass. Badass. Badass sword. It glows. Yeah, that's the thing about Glamdring. Yeah. It's a gondolindrum sword. And it doesn't do that so much in the movie. No. It's, yeah, it's supposed to glow just the same as Sting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the entire time you see Bilbo or Frodo using Sting and it's glowing, Gandalf's sword is also in that moment supposed to be glow. Well, if he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but they kind of shorted Glamdring. But that's okay. So shortly after... The uh, the incident with the goblins, if you'll recall from the Hobbit story, they make it out on the east side of the Misty Mountains, and then they start running into problems with wargs in the woods, yeah. in the dark. And we just thought this was also another wonderful chance we, that we could take to uh, quote a badass Gandalf moment. So this is the part where um, they're stuck up in the trees, and the wolves are... are, are um trying to get at them essentially from the ground and so gandalf does something really cool it uh he uses some of his fire magic and uh so this is what he does he gathered the huge pine cones from the branches of the tree then he set one alight with bright blue fire and threw it whizzing down among the circle of the wolves it caught one on the back and immediately his shaggy coat caught fire and he was leaping to and fro, yelping horribly. Then another came, and another, one in blue frames, one in red, and another in green. They burst on the ground in the middle of the circle and went off in colored sparks and smoke. 
yeah, little uh, little cool fire magic there, Gandalf helping out. Yeah, like we said earlier, Gandalf is oftentimes associated with fire. And pr- I think pretty much at any point that we're talking about Gandalf, we're going to try to find really awesome quotes to throw in. Yeah, that was the thing, because uh, I recently listened to the, to, in preparation for the second season, I listened to the Lord of the Rings audiobooks, and I was just like, God damn, Gandalf has so many good moments, so many good lines, that we just had to share a few of them with you. And uh, we're going to do that throughout this series, so. So also on this uh, quest for Erebor along the way, um, there are actually two times where Gandalf completely vanishes from the company. Uh, the first time is pretty early on. He, I think it's when he's upset he vanishes and he says that he went to scout their path and he comes back later to yeah, save them. Yeah, that's when they're captured by the trolls. Yeah, that's yeah. when he comes to save them from the trolls. Now, the second time that Gandalf leaves the company, uh, it's when they were leaving... Bayorns, and they're about to enter Mirkwood. Yeah, they're right at the edge of the forest. They're right at the like... edge of the forest, and this is a pretty big part of their adventure, and he's just dipping out, and all he said to them is that he had to attend to other pressing business, uh, the nature of which he refused to discuss. Wizard shit. Wizard stuff. <laughs> what do you got to do? Wizard shit. That's what I would just... I would <laughs> never... I would just tell people I was doing wizard shit all the time. I would, like, you don't would know. anyone? Ever, I would never question Gandalf if he looked no. at me and was just stern. I have something important wizard to do. Wizard shit. Yeah. <laughs> what okay, you, Gandalf. What are you, you going to do, Gandalf? Wizard shit. So in reality, while he was gone, he was attending a meeting of the White Council, and he was going to, once again, urge the council to try to evict Sauron from Dol Guldur in Mirkwood since it was evident by now that Sauron did not require the One Ring to continuously attract evil into Mirkwood, because like we said earlier, Mirkwood was not Mirkwood originally. It was originally the Greenwood or the Greatwood? Yeah, Greenwood the Great. Greenwood the Great. Yeah. So in an event only briefly described in a couple different places, like the Silmarillion and the Hobbit in The Lord of the Rings, um, at this point, the White Council finally agrees to go to Mirkwood to drive out Sauron. Oh, right, yeah. They drive out Sauron. And the only thing that's really said about it is that they, the council put forth its power and drove Sauron from Dol Guldur. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, at that point, Sauron had already anticipated what they were going to do, and he had already prepared. Yeah, he was already had his backpack. So he was yeah. ready to leave, and he just dipped out and went back to Mordor, where he already had things kind of ready for him. Where I feel safe. In Mordor. Mordor, where I'm safe. So that's where Sauron goes from there, and that's kind of what leads Sauron into the events of the War of the Ring and such. Um, now, after they expel Sauron from Dungledur, uh that's when Gandalf turns back to the quest for Erebor. And there's been a lot of stuff going on in the quest yeah. for Erebor. <laughs> Yeah, and he misses a. So what what happens? So like, let's go through what he happens. He leaves while he's them gone. before they go into Mirkwood. Yeah, so they go. He, he has all this stuff going on with the White Council and driving out Sauron, and then by the time he's done, yeah. So at this point, they've gone into Mirkwood. They got lost. They were captured by spiders. Bilbo killed a whole bunch of spiders. It saved them. Saved them from from being eaten by spiders. They're captured by elves. They escape the elves. They make it to Lake Town. They make it to the mountain. Like, all this shit happens while Gandalf is gone. They stir up the dragon. Yeah. The dragon destroys Lake Town. They kill the dragon. The dragon gets killed. The dragon gets killed by Bard. And then they start fighting over the treasure immediately. Yeah, and then they start fighting over the treasure. And then they uh, call reinforcements. They call Dane as reinforcements from the Iron Hills to come fight over the treasure. Mm -hmm. And... It becomes this whole scuffle. The men and the elves have now teamed up against a bunch of the dwarves, and they're about to fight each other. And Gandalf, this is what he comes back to. Yeah. He comes back right as they're about to fight, right at the beginning of the Battle of Five Armies. And he shows some, just some time to tell everyone, hey, guys, we've lost time. You guys are wrong. This mm-hmm. isn't what matters. And if, you're f- if you're familiar with the Hobbit thing, like the ho- whole Hobbit story, it was uh, um, Bilbo had secretly given... Bard and the Elven King, the Arkenstone, and Gandalf shows up right as Thorin is about to throw Bilbo from the rampart. He's super pissed off. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's found out that he was like, I gave it to him, and and he was about to throw him off. So this is a really tense moment. Yeah, and he yeah he says a whole bunch of hateful stuff to Bilbo, 
and uh, sends him away, essentially. He's about to throw him off, and Gandalf's like, if you don't like my burglar, please give him back undamaged. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. when he turns up. Yeah. That, yeah, that's when Gandalf turns up, when he's about to be tossed from the rampart. And that's when he redirects everyone's attention to the oncoming orcs and wargs and bats. Yeah. And the Battle of Five Army ensues. And that is a badass battle yeah. that did not get its justice. No. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, one of the things I totally forgot about, because I, I just read The Hobbit, too. Why not? Um <laughs> Uh, Gandalf was wounded in the Battle of Five Armies. He, uh, when Frodo, uh, when Frodo, when Bilbo sees him at the end, he's got his arm in a sling. Oh. Yeah. yeah so it was a pretty rough battle of Gandalf got wounded. Gandalf's getting messed up. Yeah. So after the Battle of the Five Armies, uh, with the destruction of Smog, uh, the ousting of the Goblin Army, the liberation of Erebor, um, at that point, Dane, Ironfoot from the Iron Hills, becomes king under the mountain. Yeah, and everything and is, is is good for a while. Dane is actually a really badass character. If uh, there was anyone that was going to rule Erebor at that point, I, I would be very okay with it being Dane. Dane, Dane was a great leader. Yeah. And uh, after all these events happened, that also allowed them to restore the kingdom of the Lonely Mountain, and it allowed them to restore the kingdom of Dale, it it strengthened their relationship, the free peoples of the northern region of Middle Earth. Yeah, the North is really put back together after this, and it's in in no small part thanks to Gandalf. Thanks to Gandalf, and that in particular, I didn't quite realize until recently that how important that was going into the War of the Ring. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. Because like the, the fact that. Erebor was taken and it was a thriving kingdom again and Dale was thriving again and they there was all sorts of people working together and living there. Mm-hmm. They had enough power to withstand uh, what was like a northeastern assault that was yeah, trying yeah. to back during, up Sauron. During the Battle of Minas Tirith, yeah, Easterlings are trying to come down and uh, basically smash uh, between, you know, flank the, uh, the Gondorians from the north. And uh, the men of Dale and the Dwarves of the Iron Hills, uh, they stop them. And there's a big battle um, up there. Isn't there a second battle in Dale around the Lonely Yeah, Valley? yeah, yeah. And um, they uh, and Dane is actually killed in that battle. Dane. Dane was a great dwarf. Yeah, and so, like, they... Um, uh, so, <laughs> so, we were actually talking about this the other day in how them winning the, the, the Battle of Dale in the at the same time as uh, Minas Tirith was going on, was kind of like Mexico winning the Battle of Puebla because if you guys don't know about Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> they were uh, they fought a battle against the French. The French were there to try to um, reinforce the South during the American Civil War. And if they hadn't won that battle, the French would have been able to come in and the North probably would have lost the war. Anyway, so it was a lot like the South that. would have been supplied. Would have been supplied by the French, and, mm-hmm. and so so basically, that's what the the men of Dale and the dwarves of the Iron Hills did. They stopped um, the flank from being able to happen. So they stopped yeah. the reinforcements from flowing through, and that was a, apparently a big undertaking. And they did it. Yeah, and they did it. Yeah, all thanks to the events of the uh, the Hobbit and the quest for Erebor. Now, this kind of leads into the events of the War of the Ring some of the the meat and potatoes of the Third Age stuff. Um, Gandalf spent the years 2941 to 3001, the years between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Uh, he spent that time traveling Middle-earth in search of information on Sauron's resurgence and Bilbo's mysterious ring. Uh, during this period of time, that's when he befriended Aragorn. Aragorn, yeah. Chieftain mm-hmm. of the Dúnedain. Chieftain of the Dúnedain in the north. Uh, this is also when he first started becoming suspicious of Sauron and where his allegiances lied. Um, and he spent as much time as he could in the Shire during yeah. this period, too, uh, strengthening his friendship with Bilbo and Frodo and just, I, I think, relaxing a little bit. Yeah, and a, lo- a lot of people don't realize that, like, well, a lot of people, hobbits don't realize that the only reason they're allowed to have their little peaceful part of the Shire is because of Gandalf and the Dúnedain Rangers, in particular, keeping the hordes of the North um, from, you know, invading the Shire, essentially. So Gandalf 
is a big uh, protector of the Shire, as well as, you know, Aragorn and the Dunedain. Oh, yeah, big time. So in the year 3001, um, Gandalf returns to the Shire for Bilbo's 111st birthday. That's his 111th birthday. And he brings a shitload of fireworks. That's when he brings all the fireworks. Um, and importantly, after Bilbo uses the ring as a prank on his guests at the birthday party, that's when Gandalf starts to strongly encourage him to let go of the ring and leave it behind and leave it for Frodo like they had planned because they had a plan that they were working on. Yeah, and uh, uh, Bilbo is quite resistant to this. He accuses Gandalf of being a thief, and he gets real angry all of a sudden and, and, yeah. and vicious. This is when Bilbo all of a sudden starts becoming kind of hostile. And then he straight up calls the ring, My Precious. If that's not a dead giveaway. And then Gandalf starts getting real suspicious about this fucking ring at this point. Yeah, that's when Gandalf gets very serious, basically tells Bilbo he's foolish for even thinking that Gandalf would want to take it, and uh, more or less putting Bilbo in his place. And at that point, Bilbo actually comes to his senses, and yeah. he admits that the ring had been troubling him, and that uh, he he may as well leave it for Frodo. And he does, and he departs for Rivendell. And Bilbo is one of the only people to ever give up the ring willingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, yeah, it was him and Sam. Those are the only two people that ever did it. Although he was never entirely free. No, he still wanted that shit, too. He still wanted it, but he was the only one to willingly give it up. Well, him and Sam. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because Sam is the best of the ring bearers. I, I think that's... We'll talk about that in the future. I think yeah. we're going to... Yeah, oh out. yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, for the next 17 years or so, uh, Gandalf, he did more traveling, uh, you know, looking for answers on the ring. He went over to uh, Minas Tirith and basically found, like, the diary of, like, the private scrolls that Isildur had written about the ring when he found it. He also searched long and far for Gollum, knowing that Gollum was the last person that he knew of before Bilbo to have to this, have the ring, this yeah. mysterious magic ring. So he wanted to hear from Gollum yeah, he where to, he got it from. Yeah, hear from the horse's mouth. Yeah, yeah Gandalf at, at this point is trying to connect dots. He has his theory and he's working his way backwards from this ring and forwards from what happened to Sauron's ring and he's trying to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is when he actually employs the help of Aragorn to help him find Gollum. Yeah. I would love to see this. G- Aragorn and uh, Gandalf alone together hunting That's a hell of Gollum. a team up, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It would be yeah, like it would be fun to watch. I'd like to see that scene. So eventually Aragorn succeeded in finding Gollum because he's Aragorn. He's just He can track anybody. He can track anything. He's the best. He's a friggin' Dunedine Ranger. Um, he's the Dunedain, the Dunedain, as Bilbo calls him. Um, but Gandalf got to question Gollum at this point, and naturally, being Gandalf, he threatened Gollum with fire because Gandalf loves fire. And uh, he finally got Gollum to speak, but unfortunately, the news that he got was not good. Uh, Gandalf found that. He was a little too late, and that Sauron had previously captured Gollum before they did, and tortured him in Baudur until Gollum told Sauron what he knew of the ring. And at this point, this only reinforced Gandalf's suspicion that Bilbo's ring was the One Ring, because he didn't know for certain at this point, and he instantly knew he had to go back. So he left Gollum with the woodland elves of Mirkwood mm-hmm. and began his journey back to the Shire, to Frodo. Yeah, and uh, so he, he uh, essentially gets there, and him and uh, Frodo have... Uh, there's a whole chapter called uh, A Shadow from the Past that's just um, Gandalf and Frodo talking about the ring. This is when Gandalf gives the audience, I think, most of the history on the ring for the first time. For the audience that reads the books, I think this is the first time we get the information on the one ring, right? Yeah, yeah, this is when we get it all, yeah. And... um. This is one of my favorite Gandalf lines that comes out of this uh, this part here is when um, um, Frodo says, uh, he, he says, they're talking about Gollum. He's telling them all about Gollum. And uh, he, Frodo says it was a pity that Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. And uh, 
This is Gandalf's response. Pity. It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy not to strike without need. And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil and escaped it in the end, because he began his ownership of the ring with pity. Yeah, and that's that's one of my favorite Gandalf lines, where he's just like, you know... The voice of reason. Yeah. That is Gandalf. And like, don't be too, you know... Don't be too hasty, as yeah. Treebeard would say. And then, yeah, later on, um, uh, Gandalf... Uh, uh, Frodo says that Gan- that uh, excuse me that Gollum deserves to die, and then this is what uh, what Gandalf says to Frodo. Deserves it, I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. Some more wise words from Gandalf. Yeah, about the wisest. And yeah, during this meeting with Frodo, this awesome chapter where we get a lot of history, this is also when he finally solidifies that this ring is the one ring. This is when he takes the ring and throws it yeah, in the they fire. Yeah, ch- they chuck it in the fire. And he gets to see the text finally, which proves it is the one ring. So Gandalf, at this point, um, Gandalf tells Frodo everything that he knows and urges him to leave and take the ring to Rivendell because he would be in a lot of danger if he stayed. Because at this point, Gandalf knows that Gollum has told the enemy information about the Shire and Bilbo. Yeah, so like you need to get the fuck out of Dodge, yeah, man. Like you, he knows you your name now. and where you're from. Like he need, You need to get out of here. At this point, Gandalf has connected all of the dots, and he tells uh, Frodo to leave, and he himself goes right away, and he says that he's going to attempt to come back for, for Frodo's 50th birthday party and accompany him when he leaves. Yeah, and as Gandalf was leading, uh, leaving the Shire, he runs into the other uh, Istari, Radagast the Brown. And uh, he tells him that the Nazgul have ridden forth, and they've crossed Anduin, and um, uh, that Saruman is, quest- is requesting to see Gandalf in Isengard. Right. This is a lot of news. This is a lot of, a lot of bad news. So yeah, Gandalf uh, goes to Bree, and he leaves a letter to Frodo with Barlam and Butterbur. But- excuse me, Barlam and Butterbur, the uh, the barkeep at the uh, at the inn at the Prancing Pony, mm-hmm. and uh, that's really actually <laughs> pretty important because he gives him this letter to to send to Frodo in the Shire, right? Right. And uh, Butterbur forgets to send the goddamn letter, right? Which is why Frodo sits around for so long waiting for Gandalf before he leaves because he's waiting for Gandalf to come back and Gandalf's not coming back. He was supposed to get this letter, but uh, Butterbur, he said that uh, originally he couldn't find anyone to take the letter to Frodo and then he just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and the cool thing about the, the letter is uh, they had just met Aragorn at this point and the letter talks about Aragorn. So yeah, when that's a little further down the line, but when the, the hobbits finally do make it to Bree, and the hobbits finally do meet Butterbur, and Butterbur finally just gives them the letter. It's also conveniently at the same time that they meet Aragorn, and in the letter, Gandalf references Aragorn. It's a good timing. It it it, it ends up working out well, luckily for them, uh, but not for Gandalf. So Gandalf leaves that letter for Frodo and Bree, and then he he heads straight for Isengard. And that is when he discovers that Sauron wanted the ring for himself. And not only that, but Sauron openly declares himself to Gandalf as Sauron of many colors. Which is something I think they took out of the film. Yeah, they definitely took that out of the film. Yeah, they did not talk about that. Um, Sauron, uh, whose title was supposed to be Sauron the... White, he's supposed to be the leader of the of the Astari and head of the White Council, and now he's calling himself Saruman of many colors. And there's a point in the uh, the chapter in the book where Gandalf is recalling this, and then uh, he mentions that at that point he looks at Saruman's clothes again, and he realizes that his clothes aren't actually white like he he thought they were, but he's noticing yeah. that they're actually like changing like a pearl yeah yeah like a pearl they're changing between shades of many different colors mm-hmm. 
Now, this is when Saruman urges Gandalf to uh, join in him. Now that he's revealed his, you know, his uh, motives to Gandalf, he's urging Gandalf to join with him in, in obtaining the ring and use it for themselves. But naturally, Gandalf's better than that. So yeah, one of the uh, one of the little excerpts here from uh, when Saruman and Gandalf are having their conversation. Saruman, I said, I have heard speeches of this kind before, but only in the mouths of emissaries sent from Mordor to deceive the ignorant. I cannot think that you brought me here this far only to weary my ears. And then later also he says, Saruman, I said, standing away from him, only one hand at a time can wield the one, and you know that well, so do not trouble to say we. But I would not give it, nay, I would not give even news of it to you, now that I have seen your mind. You were the head of the council, but you have unmasked yourself at last. Well, the choices are, it seems, to submit to Sauron or to yourself. I will take neither. Have you others to offer? A little bit of sarcasm from Gandalf there. I like that part. A little bit of sassy Gandalf. A little bit of sassy Gandalf. I feel like we lose a little. I feel like we lose sassy Gandalf after he goes white. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not Gandalf the Gray anymore. I feel like Gandalf the Gray is the sillier, the oh, yeah, sillier of the sure. two. Anywho, um, after that point, uh, Saruman obviously realizes that Gandalf is not going to join him, and Saruman imprisons him on top of Orthanc. Yeah, on the very top of the pinnacle of Orthanc, he is in prison, and he comes across. Um, uh, Gwahir, the Lord of the Eagles, who is actually coming not to see Gandalf. No. To, uh, to, what is he coming to do? He's coming to warn... Uh, He's coming to warn Saruman about an, a sighting of the Nazgul. Right, it's kind right, of right. ironic because... <laughs> He's, so Gwahir the Eagle is coming on behest of Radagast the Brown. And earlier in the story, uh, Saruman used Radagast... To his advantage, he he told Radagast to go get Gandalf and tell Gandalf that, uh, you know, I want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Radagast himself is not a corrupt guy. No, he's... And just... he didn't realize that Saruman was trying to get at Gandalf. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Yeah, Radagast isn't good with people. He's more like animals and plants and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But at the same time, Radagast also uh, urged Guahir to keep an eye out for these kinds of things. He started, uh, you know, pulling connections with all of his bird and beast with his friends. his bird buddies. And that's exactly what causes the Great Eagle to uh, come to Orthanc to try to report a sighting of the Nazgul, and then he sees Gandalf up top and is like, what's going on here? Gandalf's like, yeah, Saruman's a traitor, and he's in prison me up here. Can yeah, you please help? Turns out Saruman's a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, so he uh, he rides uh, Gwahir, and uh, Gwahir sets him down in Rohan. And uh, he makes his way over to Edoras. Guahir ultimately says, I'll get you out of here, but I'm not about carrying people. And, right, and yeah. Gandalf, Gandalf's like, okay, well, could you at least take me to somewhere where I can get a steed? Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, I'll take you right on over here to Rohan. Where are better steeds found than in Rohan? Right. And it's there that Gandalf finds his new steed, and that is Shadowfax. Shadowfax, Lord of Horses. I was just reading about the the um, so the the race of horses, the the Miras, uh, the Miras that um, Shadowfax is Lord of. Mm-hmm. They're believed to descend from the horses of Orome. I've read something about that as well. What's Orome's horse name? Like Nahar or something like that? I right? don't. I, I do not remember. know that. I can't remember. But he had a horse that uh, that um, had a special name that he rode around all the time. Yeah, what I gathered is the the Miras, which is this special race of horse, is kind of like what the uh, excuse me, like the what the Dunedain are to regular men. Right, it's kind of like the Numenorians to regular men. They had longer spans of life. They were more powerful. They're high horses. Yeah, they're high horses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, high horses! That's These are funny. some high horses. Oh, all right. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, so Gandalf uh, works a friendship with Shadowfax, who agrees to take him around and uh, help him on his quest. 
Now, at this point, Gandalf rides straight for the Shire, hard, but he didn't reach it in time. Frodo had already left by the time he reaches the Shire. That's something that they don't touch on in the Yeah, that Gandalf went the back movies. to the Shire. Yeah, Gandalf did them. go back to the Shire, yeah. and he got there right after Frodo had left, and mm-hmm. he talks to, didn't he just talk to the, he talks to Gaffer, doesn't he? It's either Gaffer or Fatty. I think he talks to both, actually. I think he talks to Fatty, too. Fanny um, Bulger, one of the friends uh, that gets shafted. Yeah, He's, one uh, of the friends of Frodo and Mary and Pepin and Sam. Yeah, but uh, we'll we'll get to him later. He'll he'll be a fun character Frediger. to touch on. Yeah, we talk about. So him. Gandalf is more or less back at the Shire and now retracing their steps. So he eventually gets his way to Bree, and he talks to Butterbur, and finds out that Butterbur never gave him that fucking letter, and he's pissed. And Butterbur instantly like knows that he's that gonna he be pissed. Up, yeah. So as soon as he sees Gandalf, he like falls down and just starts groveling. And Gandalf's like, "What? What you did you do? Didn't give the letter? What the hell?" And uh, while he's on the ground groveling, he basically tells Gandalf. He lets him know that uh, it actually so happens that the hobbits fell in with that unsavory character Strider. Strider. He's like, "I tried." I tried to keep them from him. <laughs> and then Gandalf is like, holy shit, they're with Strider? Fuck yeah, why didn't you say so, he bro? He gets so excited, yeah. he's like, he instantly hugs him, and Gandalf's not a hugging guy. No, he yeah. hugs Butterbur, he's like, that is <laughs> the best news I have heard in a while, and tonight I can finally take a night of rest. He's right. like, thank you, Butterbur. You've delivered good news. Yeah, so through fucking up, he actually did a good thing. Yeah, it worked out for the better. I mean... Who better to run into than Aragorn, right? Right. So at that, um, he rests for a day in Bree, and then he goes out, and I think that's when he starts heading towards Toward Rivendell. Rivendell. Yeah. And uh, this is when he has his own run-in with the Nazgul on Weathertop before Frodo and Aragorn and them get to Weathertop. Mm-hmm. In the in the Fellowship, they describe that scene in one night where they see like flashes of yeah, lightning. Yeah, they in the see distance. like lightning and hear weird noises and shit in the in, off in the distance, and they're like, "That doesn't sound like a thunderstorm." Yeah, and then they get to Weathertop, and yeah, it's stuff's all burned like and shit. Yeah, and, and there's an elvish G carved in one of the ruins. Remember? And and like, who oh, do we know that's that does that shit all the time? It's who's Gandalf. the Who's the G? This is Gandalf. Gandalf. <laughs> Gandalf is a G. So. <laughs> So after Weathertop, after Gandalf leaves Weathertop, um, he has this fight with the Nazgul, and he s- escapes after an all-night battle, and he draws four of them with him northward as he runs towards Rivendell. Uh, Frodo and Aragorn eventually run into the other five when they make it to Weathertop after him a few nights later. Uh, so Gandalf reaches Rivendell first, and he actually helps Elrond, and I think Elrond's sons... Uh, drive some of the Nazgul from a pursuit. Is that right? Uh, when they're chasing uh, Frodo, I believe so. Well, he helps do the uh, the magic. Him and Elrond do the river magic. Remember? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's when that's when he jumps in. Yeah, Glorfindel's waiting on the bank there. Oh yeah, and yeah. then uh, then uh, when yeah when Frodo wakes up in Rivendell after the events at the Forge, and Gandalf's like, yeah, I threw in a little bit of my own magic. Yeah, yeah. Did you see in the flood, there were you, I don't know if you saw, but you there might have seen some horses some with some white, white, horses, white, yeah, with some white, white riders, riders in the water. And he's like, oh, yeah, I thought I was just waking out. I thought I was tripping, bro. I was stabbed. <laughs> I was stabbed for like, it was like seven days or 14 days he yeah, bore the yeah. wound, right? Two he, weeks. Yeah, Gandalf was impressed with him. He's like, Hobbits are made of sterner stuff than I thought. He bore that wound for like 14 days. Yeah. So while in Rivendell, uh, this is also when Gandalf and yeah, so Elrond every, together. Yeah, they're safely in Rivendell. Yeah, they're safe in Rivendell, yeah. and that's when he helps him um, uh, heal Frodo using, as we find later, uh, both of their rings, because they both have rings of power. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, we discussed, we discussed this in, uh, what was it, episode one? Right? Yeah, we vented about this vented in episode one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny how some of the things in episode one of season two are now hearkening back to... Uh, Episode one of season one. Always, yeah. I've got kind of some of the same jitters. Yeah, no, I get. I'm trying to um, contain myself from talking about Hobbit movies too much. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, here in Rivendell is actually where we are going to leave you guys for now. Um, this is we're going to cut this into two parts because we've got a lot to say about Gandalf. Yeah, Gandalf is um is you know he's the G. He's the G. Yeah, Gandalf the, is the G. The G. And um he's the complete mover and shaker. And uh, yeah, we're gonna get to, uh, the uh, the second half of the story in the next episode, guys. We appreciate you guys listening in for our uh, season premiere of season two. Thanks for coming back and thanks for tuning in. And as always, guys, keep on talking. Keep on talking.